Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserves. What a blessed opportunity it is for us to be able to assemble in the house of the Lord one more time. Few of us are here in physical form. The rest of you all are watching us virtually and digitally. And so we thank you and we welcome you to the St. Paul online experience. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you if you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or watching us on Zoom or in our live chat room on our church website. So if you're watching us on Facebook, if you would, share this on your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to make sure we're in the same chat stream. You can also tag people you want to invite within your posts. If you're on YouTube, do me a favor, subscribe to our YouTube channel and text the link of this service to your network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in your chat window to share this experience. Wherever you're watching us right now and whatever platform you're watching us right now, if you would do me this favor, we just want to know what city and state you're in. Uh, if you would, just share that as far as your chat stream right now is concerned, and we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Amen. So do me this favor. As uh, Minister Jeffrey Stevenson comes to lead us in worship, put those hands together wherever you may be in your living room, bedroom, kitchen, dining room, or whatever. Let's give the Lord the praise that God so richly and rightfully deserves. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and thank you for joining us today. Our opening uh, scripture will come from Psalms 96, and it reads, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great. And greatly to be praised. And I believe that's a word for all of us right now. Those who are in the building and those who are watching. For the God that we serve is greatly to be praised. After everything that we've experienced over the last year, I believe God is to be praised. Praise is simply an outward expression, giving God something that he has done for you. So let us not only give him praise for what he's done, but let's also give him worship for just being the God of our life. Do I have anybody out there right now, whether virtual or in person that wants to just give God some praise and some worship. If you would just join us in our opening hymn this morning.
Our scripture lesson will be coming from John 15, beginning at verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. But you did not choose me, but I chose you. Appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Let us go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father God, we come before you right now, first of all, just to say thank you. Thank you for just being the God of our life. God, right now, we ask that you would just come into this worship service. God, that you would just step down through time and space, God, and that you would just saturate the atmosphere. Saturate the atmosphere here in person, but also saturate the atmosphere of those who are watching us. God, if you would just saturate the atmosphere with your power, saturate the atmosphere with your anointing, God, if you would just saturate the atmosphere with your salvation, God, that someone that may be watching may just cry out, I yield, I yield, what must I do to be saved, God? Use this service, God, as we reach out to those who are in need, God, this morning. Because we can't do anything until you come. It is in your son's name that we do pray and give thanks. Amen.
Thank you, uh, thank you, men's choir, so much for uh, being able to bless us this morning, guys. I appreciate it, man. I very much do. I'm blessing my soul this morning um, in many ways. Uh, and it's a blessing to be back here uh, with you all. I had a little sick pug last week um, and uh, had a lot, of, a lot of sinus congestion going on. So we're thankful for Musin XD this morning and a lot of rest, amen, and a lot of rest. So I'm also thankful to have my sister Rachel um, in the house with me. She came down for the week uh, to help Taylor and I pick up a dog uh, this coming weekend. So I know I talked about a dog way back when. Sadly, he did not work out. That's a whole long story. Um, he just needed something that we couldn't really give him training-wise, but we're going to get a new fur baby this weekend. Not a real baby, amen, but a fur baby, okay? A fur baby, all right. Uh, before I begin today, guys, um, I just want to say, uh, man, I'm looking forward to the one-day fun day that will be had for our SML kids here in a couple weeks. Uh, uh, Reverend Brenda Richardson has been preparing um, a really awesome event for you guys on Saturday, uh, July 24th, and so I hope you guys are looking forward to it as much as I am. Um, also, too, uh, I wanted to um, do something different this morning and begin in prayer um, because uh, the Boy Scouts today with uh, Deacon Ted Pearson are challenge, uh, uh, traveling to Camp Grimes for their annual summer camp. And I just want to pray for safe travels um, for them as they begin uh, their trek this morning, but also be in special prayer for the Talford family um, that is a part of the Boy Scouts. Um, they uh, they uh, lost um, uh, the, the father, uh, Tyrone, um, this, past, uh, this past week, and I want to be in prayer, and I ask that you join me in prayer uh, for, for Trenton, for Preston, for Quentin, and their mom, uh, Danielle, please. Um, and uh, we just pray God's many, uh, many blessings and strength uh, over them to really get them through this rough time. So if you would join me in prayer before I begin today's message, that would be great. Dear Lord, I just want to say thank you so much for, uh, for a beautiful, uh, beautiful morning this morning. Um, but I also uh, just want to lift up to you, God, uh, you know, just some of the, uh, the prayer requests, God, that uh, just want that uh, special uh, call to our church uh, this morning and, um, and to the Boy Scout troop, uh, God, that is ready to head out, Lord, to um, their awesome camp that they get to do. I pray that you would be with them, God. Um, as they get ready to travel to Camp Grimes, um, be with them as they, um, God, do all their marriage badge, marriage uh, merit badge activities and awesome summer camp fun that they get to have. God, I pray that it's a meaningful time for them. God, I also especially lift up Quentin. I lift up uh, Preston, Lord, and I lift up Trenton this morning um, to you, God, and their mom, Danielle, and the loss of uh, their father, um, God, and uh, Miss Danielle's husband, Tyrone. God, I can't imagine what they are going through. But I know, God, that you are with them right now because you are a God that is able to comfort us in our brokenness, able to comfort us when we are hurt and going through so much. You are there, God. You know what it's like to lose. And God, I pray that your love would be with them this morning, the love of your everlasting son, Jesus Christ. God, we love you. Be in this impact moment this morning, God, and help us to be able to put some praise in our prayers because you are amazing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The title, guys, of uh, this morning's message begins a series that I want us to do that's called What's in a Prayer? And now, What's in a Prayer will be us tackling some different ideas that Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And so the title of today's first message is this. It's called Putting the Praise in Prayer. Putting the Praise in Prayer. 
Our memory verse this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. I'll be reading from the New International Version, and and it reads like this. This, then, is how you should pray. And this is Jesus talking. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Guys, our bottom line for this morning is this. When you pray, give God praise. When you pray, give God praise. Guys, when I was a kid, my, my mom and dad always taught my sister Rachel and I to say thank you and please and to use our manners like saying yes, sir, or no, sir, or yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, when we would speak to adults. Manners were and still are important because they show the person that you were speaking with a general level of respect. If you ask my parents, it was one of the best compliments that they could receive when other grown-ups would come up to them and would tell them that their kids were well-mannered or were very respectful. They loved hearing that. Why is it, guys, that we show respect and admiration to people that possibly we haven't even met before, to adults that we don't know, especially to those that are, who are older than us? It's because on the one hand, at the very least, they deserve the common respect That's due every human being that they should get just simply for being human. But also, these people have life experience that we do not have. They have been through things we have not gone through. And so they are due respect both for who they are, but also for what they've done. And just like that, guys, I want us to think about when we pray, when we talk to God, he is also due a certain level of respect. One that is much higher and stronger than we can give any human being. You see, God is holy, meaning he's perfect. And he's deserving of our praise because of who he is first, but also for what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. Again, guys, our bottom line, when you pray, give God praise. Again, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, verse 9, I want to read this verse again for us so it'll start to sink in. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, verse 9 marks for us the beginning of what we call as Christians the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer that Jesus uses as an example to teach his followers, the disciples and us, how to pray to God. I want to make sure we understand from the way Jesus begins teaching this prayer, guys, for how to pray, that this isn't Jesus giving us an exact formula for us to follow every time we pray. But these different ideas that Jesus talks about in the Lord's Prayer, they are ones that we can use when we go to God in prayer. Our first idea in Matthew 6, 9 is that praising God needs to be a part of our prayers. It absolutely does. This first idea begins with Jesus starting his prayer off by saying we can say something like, Our Father. Now when we enter into God's presence and we pray to him, we can greet him in a way that's personal and heartfelt. Father is one of the many names and ways that we can relate to God. He is our heavenly or our spiritual father and we are his children. This is a big part of what prayer is. It's, it's living out our relationship with the God of the universe by being able to talk to him on a daily basis. When we address God in prayer, we can call him Father. We can also simply call him God, or we can call him Lord, which means Master, you know, above all. We can give God names for who he is for us, too. You see, King David in the Bible, if you've ever read the book of Psalm, he would call God his rock 
his fortress, deliverer, or his savior too. One of my mentors, guys, used to tell me that she had a personal nickname that she used in prayer when she talked to God. And she challenged me to think of one myself. I'll let you guys in on a little secret this morning. My nickname for God, I, call, I like to call God Big G. And I want to tell you why I like to call God Big G. Because for me, God is the only God worth worshiping out of all possible gods in our world. He is strong enough to handle anything I can give him that I go through. So I want to challenge you, maybe come up with a personal nickname for God when you talk to him. And if you don't, that's okay, because you can still call him just God or just Lord. Just know that no matter how we address God, it should always be with the respect and the praise that he deserves. You see, Jesus adds on to the end of verse 9 to you guys, and he says that God's name is hallowed. Now, what on earth does hallowed mean? It's, it's kind of a big word, right? Hallowed is a big word, but we're going to break it down together. To be hallowed, it means that something or someone is greatly respected, admired, and honored. God's name is honored and praised because of how wonderful, holy, and perfect he is. Notice how before Jesus even begins to speak on the things we can ask God for, guys, he challenges us to begin our prayer with praising God instead of turning him into some sort of wishing well. We don't even deserve to be in God's presence because of how perfect he is and how imperfect and broken we are. But, but because of what God has done for us through Jesus, we can go to God and we can talk to him like we are talking to a friend. And that and so much more is something that we can give him praise for. I want to close this message by leaving you guys with this image for how we can praise God in prayer. If you've ever seen a movie that has a king or a queen in it, what is one of the first things people do who enter into their presence? They bow or they show respect to the royalty they are in the presence of. You guys, when we enter into God's presence with prayer, we can bow our heads, we can close our eyes, and we can praise his name. Because he is our king, he is our Lord, but he is also our savior and our friend. So remember, guys, again, our bottom line, next time you pray, when you pray, give God praise. Worship his name before you even go into asking him anything. Because it's an act of love and amazing grace that almighty God wants to hear our prayers. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Come on, let's give God praise and let's thank God for Reverend C's message, especially to our young people, our youth and our children. We greatly appreciate that. Good morning to all of those who are watching us online. We are certainly delighted and elated. You are taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, be with us. And there are just a few observations I want to share with you as we move forward as far as Family and Friends Day uh, is concerned here at St. Paul. We have uh, a simulcast that's taking place right now with the Mecklenburg County Detention Center. And I want to thank our social justice ministry for making that uh, opportunity available. Uh, we are broadcasting this service to an estimated 1,500 of our brothers and sisters who are incarcerated. 
we pray that when they get out, as far as a fresh start is concerned, so that they can be productive citizens, that the word we are sharing, the worship experience that we are allowing for them to partake of will be a blessing to them. So we thank you to our social justice ministry for doing such a wonderful job in making this partnership work. I also want to just mention that on Sunday, July 25th, is going to be our uh, Youth Sunday. And we have a guest preacher, Reverend uh, Dr. Jacques Boyd, who is going to be sharing with us as far as that Sunday is concerned. Saturday, July the 31st, uh, at 9 o'clock, we're going to have our annual church conference. And this uh, meeting is going to be held uh, in a hybrid form. We may have some people who are here, as well as those that are watching us online. If you're going to attend, we're going to send out... Uh, a notification so you can register in person or online uh, to gain access. For those who are in our notification system, you will see an email to register or you can call into the church office to leave your name and contact information with Deacon Marilyn White. You'll have time to verify your information in our system so that we'll know to admit you to the meeting. This is just for those who are active disciples here at the St. Paul Church. Also, we want to let you know that we're shifting our video conferencing platform from GoToMeeting to Zoom. All of our ministry leaders uh, have submitted their requests, and we are giving you the appropriate licenses and permissions this week. We're going to have hosting, we're going to host training sessions uh, this Tuesday, July 13th, led by Sister Emma Dia and Deacon Reginald Ross, along with some of our other church staff. We hope to have this transition completed by August. First, first Sunday in August. So ministry leaders, if you have not received it, check your spam or your junk uh, inbox uh, to see if it went there. And if you have any other questions, please contact the church office. Let me, if I could, just take this moment real quick to talk about and get some highlights as far as our reentry is concerned on the first Sunday of August. We're basically two weeks away from making preparation to have you all to come back as far as uh, in-person worship. And uh, I just want to let you all that know that our church staff and re-entry key leaders have been coordinating the necessary tasks to make sure that we are fully prepared. I will say that we may make some mistakes along the way. We ask for your grace as we try to figure out how this is going to work because um, we are coming back from almost a 17-month uh, displacement, and we're hoping and praying that you will extend to us the grace that's going to be necessary. So here are some things I really want to share with you all um, as we make preparations, and I'm going to be repeating this uh, until we come back in. I want to strongly recommend that if you want to attend uh, the worship experience here at St. Paul, I would love for you to uh, get vaccinated. Um, uh, is not required, but it is strongly recommended. We know that the Delta variant is out there, and of course, uh, it is moving at a rapid rate, and it is really impacting people, particularly young people, who have not been vaccinated. Uh, now, I will say that the vaccination does not mean you can't get COVID, but it will greatly diminish the impact and the effect that COVID can have on you. So I want to recommend that you become vaccinated before attending. I have already issued uh, an edict 
to the ushers, and I want to also mention this to uh, any persons that are working on the front line, ushers as well as welcome team, that if you haven't been vaccinated, I'm going to, I've already told Sister Pauline that we're going to ask that you not serve because you're front line. We need people who have been vaccinated that are on the front lines because we want you to protect yourself as well as others that you come in contact. You still got to wash your hands. We're still going to be wearing masks during the worship service, and we're going to uh, have screenings as far as temp checks are concerned. We will require that everyone who desires to attend that you will register online or either call the church for in-person attendance of Sunday morning live and our Sunday morning worship. When you register online, you're going to be asked to uh, complete a pre-screening health questionnaire. If we have visitors or persons who do not register in advance, we're going to require that you will register when you come into the church. Uh, we want to be able to have the necessary contact tracing information if it becomes necessary. And we're moving our time from 1030 up to 10 o'clock. Sunday morning live will start at 845 and go to 930. So we got to make sure that all of these things are moving with some sense of synchronicity so that we can make sure that we move with the skill and, of course, with the insight that we need to make that experience, particularly that first Sunday back, as meaningful, as purposeful, uh, and as seamless as possible. So we're continuing to have meetings, um, and I'm continuing to get input from all of those who are part of our reentry task team. We are preparing for at least 50% capacity, uh, <clears throat> and so here's how that's going to flow. If you live in the same household, you can sit together as a family. Let me say that again. If you live in the same household, you can sit together as a family. We're going to be including that in our count to up to 800. Uh, uh, if you don't live in the same household, I'm going to suggest that you not sit together, even if you come in the same car to, to, to church. Uh, we just want to do whatever we can to make sure that we maintain the protocol. Um, we're going to also have our Sunday morning live. It's going to be a hybrid. So there may be some people in person, but many of you all may continue to remain online. Um, we have now expanded the number of people that can attend funeral services using the same CDC guidelines, pre-screening and required information for potential contract tracing. And for the rest of 2021, we will not, we will not be hosting any eating events on campus. Let me say that again. We will not be hosting any eating events on campus. So what does that mean? When we have homecoming on the third Sunday, uh, on the fourth Sunday rather, we will not be serving food after that. Uh, for funerals, we will make preparations for family to pick up food to take to their homes to serve their family and friends. No organization, no ministry will have any eating events here on campus uh, for the rest of this year. Uh, I, I'm not comfortable opening up that space and having people that close together uh, as far as that, that time is concerned. And that just exposes another area that we got to clean up. So, again, no eating events uh, for the rest of 2021. 
Uh, so that means even when we have revival, and we will have revival in person in August, we're going to ask that before you come to church, if you want to come, register and eat before you come. The last thing I want to just mention is, and this is very important, that during the worship experience, um, we're going to ask that you will keep your mask on. Keep your mask on. Um, we want to, again, uh, try to diminish and decrease uh, the potential of any spread or exposure because we're going to have to live and deal with COVID for a while. But we don't want to be seen as a super spreader, so we're going to ask that you would keep your mask on. And, and here's the deal. You got to wear a mask, not one of those gator wraps or anything like that. It has to be a mask. Let me say that again. It has to be a mask. We're like the airlines. You can't come in here with no gator or anything like that. And we will go as far as say that if you have an issue wearing a mask, don't come to church. It's just as simple as that. Now, why am I doing this? Because I'm not playing with this variant. And I, I take your safety and security very seriously. And so we ask that you will uh, abide by that. We're going to continue to share this at nauseum as we make preparations to bring you back in in some semblance of physical worship. I've missed you all dearly. Uh, would love to see you all. But when we're in church, you're going to have to follow the directions of uh, persons that are uh, given uh, servanthood, leadership, as far as that's concerned, as well as my directions. One way in, one way out. And um, we're going to help you all to facilitate that as far as that's concerned. So that being said, uh, we're getting ready now to make preparation to go to the Lord in prayer. We want to lift up the family of Sister Sadie Sturdivant. Uh, we had her services on yesterday, and she's the mother of Disciple Picola Knight uh, and uh, Disciple Diane Davis and uh, Disciple Robert Sturdivant. Um, as well as her sisters, uh, Willie Mae Millsap, Lula Dreer, uh, Lizzie Meadows. We continue to lift that family up in our prayer. The family of Brother Felix Bird, uh, the son of disciple Felix Bird Jr., uh, those services were on yesterday. We want to lift up the family of Brother Willie James Johnson, the nephew of disciple Nettie Butler and Mary Phillips. His service took place at King's Funeral Home on yesterday. We continue to lift up the family of Brother Joshua Hollingsworth, cousin of Deacon and Training Eloise Alexander and Mary Murphy. His services took place on yesterday. We also lift up the family of Sister Ali Tolliver Carson. She's the sister of Disciple Louise um, Tolliver and um, sister-in-law uh, Janice Tolliver. And a graveside service took place uh, on Friday. So we have a lot of prayer concerns that we're bringing before you, as well as those that are on our sick and shut-in list. Uh, Precious Lewis Tullis, uh, Francis Montgomery, uh, Gina Pettis-Dean, Alberta Henderson, Elnora Lee, Brother Anthony Farr, Gloria Singleton, Brother Reginald Steele, and we continue to lift up our pastor emeritus, uh, Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife, Sister Thomasina Drummond, uh, and deacon in training, we continue to lift up Brother Thomas Fall. I'm going to ask that um, Brother um, Minister Jeffrey Stevenson will come, take us to the throne of grace as far as prayer is concerned at this time. Let us turn towards heaven. Heavenly Father God, we come before you right now, God, saying thank you. Thank you for just being who you are, God. 
Thank you for taking care of your people, God. God, for the names have been called who have lost loved ones. And God, we ask that you would just comfort their families right now, God, in only the way that you can. For you said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So right now, God, we ask that you would just go into each home and just comfort them in in your way. Hold them close, God, and just let them know that you're right there with them in the midst of their sorrows. God, for the names who have been called, for those who are experiencing illness. God, if you would just go into the homes, go into the hospital rooms, God, and just wrap your arms around them, God, and just let them know that you're still a God of healing, God, that that you said that by your stripes that they will be healed, God, and we just know that you're still a God who's able. So move right now, God. God, and even though we are still experiencing a pandemic, We ask God that you would just just pierce some hearts for there are still those who still don't take this serious and and God we know that you have looked after your your children God so continue to look after us and God we say a prayer for this world because as we look around we still see division we still see where Lives do not seem to matter, God, but we know that you're still in control. It does not matter who sits in a White House, God, but we know that you're in control. So, God, we just put everything into your hands and we just ask, God, that you would just do as you see fit. It is in your son's name that we do pray and Claim all these things done. Amen. 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 Thank you, Minister Stevenson, for that prayer. And if you believe that God is answering your prayer, can you give God praise right now? Go ahead and signify that. Amen. 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 Beloved, it is time for us to give. It is time for us to give. And as we make preparations to give at this particular moment, There are three ways you can give here at the St. Paul Church. The first way you can give is, of course, by sending your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can call the church office at 704-334-5309 to drop off your offering, uh, either in check, money order, or cash form. We'll place it in the safe and then make sure it is part of the count for the following Sunday. Uh, the second way you can give is by going to our church website and through Church Lights or ACS, following the prompts there and give. The last way you can give is through the app called Givelify. You can download that app to your smart device, search for St. Paul Baptist Church, Charlotte, North Carolina, and in three clicks, you can give by attaching it to your favorite credit card. So however you're going to give, as far as today is concerned, I want you to do me a favor. If you're able... I want you to take your offering in your right hand, lift it toward the heaven. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. Amen. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you right now for the wonderful opportunity to partner with you as far as giving is concerned. 
And Lord, we don't take this for granted. As we prepare to give, oh God, for those that are carrying out the discipline of giving tithes and offerings, bless them in a God-fold way. God, for those who feel like they don't have anything to give but try to give a little something, we pray that you will bless their giving and we pray that you will enhance their faith. And then, God, for those who feel like they don't have to give and they shouldn't give, um, we pray, oh God, as the folks back in the deep south used to say, turpentine their mind until they come to the conclusion they can't beat you giving no matter how hard they try. God, take these gifts of ours and use them, extend them as we continue to do your work, your witness, your worship, and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 As we prepare to give at this time, I want to take this opportunity to present our preacher as far as today's worship experience is concerned. And he is whom I consider to be one of God's most gifted preachers, and he's one of my favorites. He is none other than the Reverend Dr. Lance D. Watson, the senior pastor of the St. Paul's Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia, uh, where he is doing an extraordinary work there, uh, and the Lord has blessed him and the hands that he has been able to use, his mind, uh, his creativity, to make sure that that ministry is a relevant ministry, not only in the Richmond area, but in the state of Virginia and across this country. He is uh, a graduate of Wayne State University where he holds uh, two degrees, uh, a degree in psychology and a master's of art in guidance and counseling. He is a magna cum laude graduate of the Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union uh, where he holds an MDiv and he also uh, is a summa cum laude graduate of Presbyterian School of Christian Education at Union Theological Seminary in Richmond, Virginia. And he also has earned a doctoral degree from United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. He's a member of Who's Who in Religion as well as Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. Uh, he is a published author. Uh, he is a creative thinker. As a matter of fact, uh, his church has acquired 300 acres of land where they're uh, planning to construct what he calls the City of Possibility, a master plan community that's going to have uh, multiple residential neighborhoods, commercial, retail, and office spaces, a park, an elementary school, and a community life uh, facility. Uh, native of Detroit, he is married to Rosemary Wilder, who is a noted and world traveler singer, singer, and they have three children, and they have grandchildren. Uh, he is a published author, and he's just just such a super guy. One thing I can say, and I've said this behind his back, and I'll say it to his face, with all that, it, that he has going on, uh, persons like him sometimes have the tendency to be puffed up and arrogant, but you do not detect any type of hubris with him. He is one of the most down-to-earth people I've ever had the opportunity to be around and to just hang out with. And so he's my friend and brother beloved. So I'm going to ask that you all will pray for him, pray with him, that the Lord will use him in a mighty and a magnificent way on our family and friends. They put your hands together as he will prepare to come after our brothers bless us with a sermonic selection.
of his name, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, to the inimitable, incredible, innovative and invocative pastor, prophet, preacher, my friend, my brother, Dr. Robert Charles Scott, to all of the official family of the St. Paul Baptist Church who share with us the tremendous task of telling the world that the cross is still vacant and the tomb is still empty. Yes, sir. Yes, who have learned to build arcs where there is no rain and to walk by faith when not by sight. To all of those that have preceded us in this worship celebration on this family and friends day, grace and peace be to you. What a joy, a privilege, and an honor it is to share with you in this virtual and physical hybrid worship experience. Permit me to express my appreciation and thanksgiving for this opportunity. I am both honored and humbled, so I tried to think of some big words to express my excitement, and I came up with two. I am hippopotamus happy and elephant excited. <laughs> to share this moment with you. Thank you, Dr. Scott, for your kind and gracious invitation during this challenging season for all of us. And I'm glad to announce that there is a word from the Lord. So travel with me to the textual country of the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1. And I'd like to read that one verse out of the New International Version of the Bible And this is the word of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Uh Amen. You may be seated. Would you encourage somebody if you're online in the chat space, just type, don't miss your chance. That's the tag we want to put on this text. Don't miss your chance. His name was Doug Williams. He was a phenom quarterback in his sophomore season at Grambling State University. 
on the field that season against the venerable Jackson State University. He was going into the half when his coach, the legendary Eddie Robinson, told him just kneel on the ball at the line of scrimmage and we'll go into the locker room at the half with the lead we have. However, when Doug got to the line of scrimmage, he read the defense and thought that he saw an opening, thinking to himself that the safeties were playing too safe, and it left the middle wide open at the line of scrimmage. He defied his Hall of Fame coach, called an audible, and tried to score on Jackson State by running a slant across the middle. The play was called. He dropped back five steps, launched the ball into the air, 5, 10, 15, 20 yards, beating the receiver. The cornerback got in front of the ball. It's wide open, and sure enough, Jackson State intercepted it. They ran the ball back for a score into going now out of the half, leading Doug Williams and Grambling State by seven points. They lost the lead and went to the locker room, humiliated all because their quarterback thought he knew better than their Hall of Fame coach. Can you imagine the fear and trepidation that Doug Williams in his sophomore year felt as he trotted back into the locker room after the half? He's a sophomore quarterback. You know what that word means, don't you? Sophomore. The word derives from two Latin words, Sophia in the Latin meaning wisdom and more meaning moron in the English language. So he is a wise fool. He went into the locker room and sat in the back out of the gaze of his coach, Hall of Famer Eddie Robinson. He had ruined his chance to simply perform the basics and do what was asked of him. Had he simply followed his coach's instructions, he would have secured a sure victory for his team and a certain scouting opportunity for the NFL for himself. But instead, he called an audible at the line, ruined the moment, and blew his chance. Now, I raise this issue today because there are some things in life that are so pivotal and primary that we only get one chance to get them right. Some instances are so significant that you do not get that chance back. Some windows for scholarship money do not reoccur. Some job opportunities never circle the block. Some opportunities at love and relationship appear only once in a lifetime. And time conspires against us in such a way that we cannot recapture them. And believe it or not, somebody listening to me today already knows what I'm talking about, which explains why the words of Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 strike us with such stark veracity and force. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It would seem that from coaches to corporate executives to academic professionals to people with whom we want to be in relationship, that out of all of the personalities who should not give you a second chance, that God should be the one person in the cosmos to hold it against you when you blow it the first time around. 
when we pause to remember our indiscretions, all the times we told God we wouldn't and we did, when we told God we would and we didn't, where we promised God, if you just get me out of this, I will never get myself back in. I only need about 33 of you in the chat space who know that you have prayed a Jonah chapter 2 prayer. God, if you get me out this time, you won't have to worry about me getting back in another time. But just as soon, you know I'm right. Just as soon as it became clear that you had escaped the consequences of your previous rebellion, you fell right back into it. You are proof positive that what I'm proclaiming is true, that we serve a God, and the hands go up right there, who is so gracious, merciful, and kind that he looks beyond your faults and sees your needs, beyond your flaws and sees your future, beyond your words and sees your wounds beyond your problems and sees your possibility and then gives you another chance. There ought to be at least 31 double-handed emojis going up in the chat space right now because for a host of you listening to me, you can rejoice not in a second chance because you blew that a long time ago, but we serve a God who will give you another and another and another and another and another chance. I wonder how many people streaming right now are working on another chance to the 15th power. You are alive right now, not because God will give you a second chance, but because God will give you a third, a fourth, a fifth, a tenth, a twelfth, a twentieth, a fiftieth. And since God is that good, since he woke you up this morning and started you on your way and kept you in your right mind and did not let your enemies triumph over you, you ought to shout like Jonah right where you are just over the rich reality that God gave me another chance the issue begging resolution is how do we avoid messing up our chance not the first one it's gone but the next one how do we handle our next one you know pastor I've got to pause here because on a personal note as I arrive in Jonah 3 I'm grateful that this is a word of God's grace to a preacher I'm grateful St. Paul that you hold your pastor in high esteem and you should but I always remind the people in my church that I'm privileged to serve that at the end of the day I'm just some dust that God dignified by donating divinity to it. That's William Augustus Jones right there. That pastors are human like everybody else. And you might be amazed at some of the dark and difficult moments that we have to face. We who are called to proclaim God's mercy, but often have to do it as a theological exercise rather than an existentially experienced reality. But I am happy today. I rejoice today over the fact that the good news of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is that God has grace for the preacher too. God does not discard rebellious preachers. We do, but God doesn't. 
The fact that God permits me to be a recipient of God's grace empowers me to stand and say not just words from my mouth, but it enables me to be a visible demonstration and reminder that if God can work with a man like me, surely God can work through a person like you. Somebody ought to hear me when I say it, that God's grace is so magnificent, manifold, and wonderful that it will meet you wherever you are. Now, that might not excite you, but if you keep on living, you will arrive at a moment where you will need the grace, the goodness, and the mercy of Almighty God. Because people won't always give you another chance, but God will. And when God does, how do we avoid missing it? Can I teach the text for a moment? It's really simple because the text testifies that you and I should use this next chance we're about to get to get right with God. Could I get 87 of you to type in the chat space for your neighbor? Just type, get right with God. See, now I'm aware that somebody listening has skid marks in your spirit as I preach because you're wondering if it's really true that God will give you another shot. You are arguing with me in your mind, saying, preacher, you don't know what I've done or who I've been. You don't know how long I've been wrong or how many mistakes I've I've made. Can I help you right here? Because the fact that you are still alive, physically or virtually, and able to hear me today is proof positive that God will give you another chance because God is doing it right now. We don't know when to shout. See, what God wants to do is this. God wants you to use this chance before, uh, before you right now in order to get right with God. Now, in a moment, I'm sure pastor is going to extend an invitation, but can I let you in on how it works? You cannot get right with God if you keep running from God. If today God is knocking at the door of your heart, giving you a nudge in your spirit, planting the idea in your mind, then I want want to be in relationship with you. I want you to know me like I know you. Then you need to respond in faith by trusting and believing that God will do just what he said. And if you're listening to me today and you don't have a church home or a church family where you are rooted and planted, growing in faith, family, and fellowship, because you are repeating that tired narrative to yourself, well, I'm not in the record organized religion. I love God, but I hate the church. Can I show you how much of a contradiction that is? That's like saying, I love Pastor Scott, but I hate his wife. Listen to me. Look, look, there's no loving him and not loving her. That ain't how it works. There's no loving God and not loving God's church. Now, somebody is saying, well, I hear you, but Pastor, the church is messed up. The church is full of hypocrites. And I say to you, my friend, 
friend, there's always room for one more. See, what's the definition of a hypocrite? A person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. And with that definition, all of us physically and virtually are hypocrites at some levels in our lives. None of us completely live what we live or walk what we talk. All of us have some rocks under the rug and some skeletons in the closet. And for a few of us, we don't have skeletons. We have bodies in the closet, which mean they just got in there night before last. See, today is your day, friend, to join the fellowship of hopeful hypocrites who are not what they want to be, not what they're going to be. But by the grace of God, they are not what they used to be. It is the mercy of God that empowers us to get right with God. If you scan your scriptures carefully, you will notice that Jonah 1 and Jonah 3 are strikingly similar. Jonah 1 says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Jonah 3 says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It may sound like a shifting of words, but it's actually an edict of of mercy. Watch the play of prepositions. God tells Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. But in verse 2 of chapter 3, he says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it. Watch the play of prepositions. Uh, You might have missed it, but Jonah didn't, because in chapter 1, God tells Jonah to preach against Nineveh. But after God baptizes Jonah in his own immersion experience of mercy, God assigns Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh. Because there's a difference in preaching against someone and preaching to someone. The difference is that in preaching against them, you are identifying them as an enemy, but in preaching to them, you are extending an olive branch as a friend. Don't miss this distinction because as you peruse the pages on your digital device today, God could have caused your cursor to pause on a page where someone was preaching against you, which would have kept you in the category of an enemy. But instead of preaching against you, God had you to log on Zoom, log on Facebook, stop where you are on YouTube so that I could preach to you. And that's God's way of saying, I want to be friends with you on this family and friends day. And don't ever underestimate the mercy of God. The fact that you hear preaching is the mercy of God. The fact that God permits you to worship is an expression of the mercy of God. The fact that you do not reap everything you have sown, that what was going around didn't always come around is a reminder that God has not given up on you and loves you so much. He sends his word to save you in the hope that it will deliver you. Don't miss what's going down in verse 2. Jonah is to proclaim the message that God will tell him. Jonah is not 
to manufacture made up messages from the Lord. His word is to be straight from God's mouth to their ears. It's Jonah's vocal cords vibrating, but it's God's message being broadcast. The word is not to source its content or motivation in the mind and mood and manner of the prophet, but authentic, genuine preaching is God's word in the preacher's mouth. The authority of preaching is in the author of the message, not the personality of the messenger. Now, some of you may get mad at me because I'm going to tell the truth, but our airways are filled with people who are promising and telling people things God never did. I could tell you that God will never tell you no, but I'd be lying. I could tell you that all your haters and enemies and adversaries are going to bow before you before the end of the year, that you're going to get everything you want just by throwing up your hands and rubbing God with a praise like he's a cosmic genie, but I'd be lying. Those might be my words, but my words don't have any power to do any transformative work in your life. It's God. God's word. The grass may wither, the flower may fade, but the word of God stands forever. When that word is spoken, the dead rise. When that word is spoken, situations shift. When that word is spoken, circumstances change. When that word is spoken, sickness has to stop. When that word is spoken, pandemics have to pass. When the word is spoken, crisis has to cease. Life has to bow to the sovereignty of the word of God. And that is why for decades now I've been working so hard to try to preach the Bible, not Scientology, prosperity, philosophy, psychology, name it and claim it, nab it and grab it, grab it and bag it. But thus says the Lord. And if it makes some people angry, if it leaves some people upset and conflicted, if it makes them want to tear out their Bible and go on tear out it ain't going to change nothing. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one jot or tittle of God's word will fail. See, when it corrects you, it's God correcting you. When it comforts you, it's God comforting you. Say what I tell you. That's what God told Jonah. And can I tell you something? Please know that as I preach, you are not the only one who is being cut or corrected. Sometimes I get mad, pastor, at the word God tells me to preach. Sometimes I'm bleeding from the sword that I'm swinging because the, there are things I want to be right that God calls wrong and there are things that I want to say that God says not to say. Jonah, arise and go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim what I tell you. See, the reason Nineveh was great was because it was God's city. Can I lean in a little bit right there? Nineveh was a wicked city, but it was still God's city. Don't miss that. Wait, wait. It was a great city, not because of its amenities or square footage, but because it was God's city. You cannot judge what God owns by the dysfunction that takes place sometimes within it. Nineveh was terribly wicked. In fact, the Roman Empire discovered the idea of crucifixion from the Ninevites, the Assyrians, but just because they were wicked did not mean God was not in control. 
And the reason God sends his word to Nineveh is that even though they were wicked, they still belong to him. I'm going to holler by myself in a minute that God's word is so strong, vibrant, and vital. It does not fear thugs, gangsters, despots, dealers, or political corruption. God's word is so virulent and vital. It does not shy away from the things that make us feel our world is ending because God knows that once his word is unleashed, people in high places will have to repent and fall to their knees giving their hearts to God. Virginia is a great state, as is North Carolina. North Carolina is a great state. Somebody wave at me, look. But wait, both Virginia and North Carolina, can we be straight up, keep it a hundred, has some wickedness in it. Both of them. See, it's but it's not too far gone for Almighty God. Revival can happen in any state. Justice can still prevail. Things can still change. If the people of God keep proclaiming the word of God, we will unleash the spirit of God in ways that will change everybody. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your boss can be blessed? That your children can be converted? Your family can be saved? Save. Your partner can be transformed. Your enemies made into your friends. God is the God of the city. Jonah gets another chance so he can get right with God. That's number one. God sends Jonah so he can safeguard his purpose. But also because God has a plan for Nineveh, God gives him another chance so that God can, number two, demonstrate divine compassion. Now watch this. God demonstrates compassion for Nineveh and for Jonah. As God gives you another chance, you use it to get right with God, but you also are to use it to help others, family and friends to get right with God. The thing that I love about this passage is that Jonah goes to Nineveh and revival breaks out, even though Jonah didn't even want to be there. I'm so grateful that God uses me, but I'm more grateful that often God works in spite of me because on the real can I keep it there there are times where if it was left up to me some people wouldn't get the blessing that God has for them not because I dislike them but just because some days my attitude ain't in the right place I I told you I'm human. See, can I talk to you? Sometimes straight up, I be tripping. Sometimes I'm all up in my feelings. Sometimes people pluck my last black nerve. Sometimes I want to say some stuff that ain't in the Lord's Prayer or the 23rd Psalm. I hope you can handle this. There are times when things just don't line up right. But in those moments when I'm feeling that in my mind ain't right. And when I'm feeling that my spirit ain't right. The spirit of God invades the situation. Takes the flawed, feeble thoughts of a man trying to fulfill his commitment and breathes on it. And but some way, somehow, people get saved. Marriages are strengthened. Lives are transformed. That's God reminds all of us that it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God uses those moments to remind you and me that God can do it with us or he can do it without us. 
aren't you glad that God doesn't need your cooperation to get done in the world what God wants to get done? Jonah's sermon is intriguing because to cross Nineveh was a three-day journey. He starts preaching. Here's his sermon. I'm going to give it to you. It's short. In 40 days, y'all going to be dead. That was the whole sermon. It'll be all over in the morning. This is the most pitiful short sermon in the whole Bible. It is what I want to call, Pastor, graceless preaching. It reminds me of the story I heard about this church who got rid of their pastor and they subsequently called a new one. And somebody asked one of the members, what's happening over there at your church? Why did y'all get rid of your old pastor? The member said, we didn't like what he was saying. And the person said, well, what was he saying? The member said, he kept telling us we were going to hell. The person then asked, well, what about the new pastor? What does he say? And the member said, he tell us we're going to hell too. The person said, wait a minute. I don't understand. What's the difference? The old pastor told you you were going to hell. The new pastor told you you were going to hell. What's the difference? The member said, well, when our old pastor told us we was going to hell, he said it like he was happy about it. But when our new pastor told us we were going to hell, he had tears streaming down his face looking like it broke his heart. See, Jonah was walking through Nineveh happy, talking about you on your way 40 days and it's deuces for all of y'all. He preferred their destruction and yet God graciously continued to use him. Why? Romans 12, Romans eleven twenty nine may be a clue because it says the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. In his great love, God has chosen that he will finish the good work that God has began and each of us. God does not give up on us as often or as easily as we give up on ourselves, no matter how much we try to derail God's plans. Jonah is preaching gracelessly. And do you see any irony here? Because you can't have Jonah 3 without Jonah 2. In chapter 1 and 2, Jonah is thrown, y'all know this story, overboard a ship in the midst of a storm because he's running away from God. He actually thought he could get away from God. You actually think, my friends, that if God wants you, that God won't get you? If you believe that, you tripping big time. They throw Jonah overboard. The fish comes, swallows Jonah up. Once he got swallowed up, Jonah realized that it was the mercy of God that delivered him and kept him at the depths of the ocean. Then God commissions the fish to spit Jonah out. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, now go to Nineveh. You can't have chapter three without walking through chapter two. You can't have the citywide revival of chapter three if the Lord is not merciful and rest rescuing the preacher in chapter 2. Jonah's greatest witness that God's mercy was legitimate and available to all was the fact that he was still alive. It is a contradiction for any of us to experience the grace of God ourselves and then try to deny it to somebody else. There are far too many people who were lost, who have little concern now for the lost since they have been found. But 
God saves you so that you can turn around and help save somebody else. God blesses you so you can turn around and bless somebody else. God opens doors, fight battles, makes ways out of no way so that you can turn around and do it for somebody else. Because here's the hard, cold truth. None of us deserve the grace of God. God had to reach way down in order to save us. We've all got a if it had not been for the Lord on my side kind of testimony. We would have been done, dead, and destroyed a long time ago. And that's why one of the best things you can do in the pandemic is practice telling people your real story. No matter who you were, no matter where you were, no matter what you were, if God saved you from it, then you need to testify about it. Jonah goes in with this graceless preaching. 40 days and it's a wrap. But something surprising happens. The people listen and they began to repent because even though the preacher didn't want to preach grace, his resistance couldn't stop grace from breaking through. Grace will find a way. Boy, somebody ought to tweet that. That's less than 140 characters. Grace will find a way because they didn't just repent. They fasted. They willfully abstained from food to make themselves available for whatever God wanted to do. Now, we have had fast at my church. In fact, more than a year ago in 2018, we had a fast, not from food, but from cussing and complaining. And you would be amazed at how many people were able to give up complaining, but cussing was an entirely different story. They would start cussing just thinking about giving up cussing. See, these people were so impacted by the word in Nineveh that they fasted. And the text says they made their animals fast. Can you imagine somebody telling the dog, no food, buddy, uh, we're fasting. And the dog acting like Scooby-Doo. You know, we we can't eat because y'all done messed up. See, and we shouldn't be shocked at their repentance because God's word can change any heart. What should shock us is that Jonah didn't want them to repent. He was so prejudiced against them that he didn't care. But thanks be to God, despite our hangups, all of us are still eligible for the grace of God. Don't miss your chance, my friend, but use it to get right with God. Use it to demonstrate the compassion of God. But thirdly, use it to prove the character of God. Look at verse 10 if you're tracking with me. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened I want you to tag that text the unpredictability of God we who preach and serve under God's sovereignty can be certain what God can never be certain because of what God is going to ultimately do because often we draw conclusions where there are actually conditions you got to get that, that God will do what God wants to do when, how, where, and with whom God wants to do it. And the reason God will is because God is sovereign. Even if there's nobody there with you, say it out loud, sovereign. I pray that I will never preach with 
with a kind of evangelical arrogance that we will never sing, shout, or serve. With a kind of theological hubris that asserts that we can always predict what God is going to do. Because often we mistake conditions for conclusions. We don't know what God is going to do, how God is going to respond, who God is going to save, heal, bless, and deliver. Somebody ought to type in the chat space. You won't even know. See, and when you assert that you do, you deny the very character of God. Verse 10 shocks our system. It's not normal. The writer of the text attempting to explain what he could not explain, tried to put it in words and says, God relented. Break that down. I will like a fraction. God changed direction. Now that's shocking because you know what I know. Sunday school 101, what you learn in the first year is God does not change. And yet the writer of the text seizes upon the best language and metaphor available to him, trying to communicate to us that something abnormal happened here. Nineveh was destined for destruction. The prophet had preached A plus B equals C. But when A was added to B, before meeting out C, God saw something and what God saw shifted the equation. You want to know how to change things in your life? You can do it the same way the people of Nineveh did. They didn't deserve another chance. They shouldn't have gotten another chance. But we serve a God who when you repent, when you change your ways, when you get serious about seeking God, even though you deserve what was coming, he decides not to give you what you deserve. In my mother's journal, Pastor, she recounted an experience of preparing to give me a whooping as a little boy for something I had done. And she wrote in her journal, this is a strange kid. I was going into his room to whoop him for what he did, but I couldn't do it because when I came in the room, he was on his knees saying, God, make me a better boy. See, and somebody on Facebook or YouTube knows what it is to deserve a whooping, be in the position for a whooping. But when you repented, instead of getting heaven's belt, you got heaven's blessing. Rather than whipping you, God kept on working on you. You ought to tap. He preaching about me now. God lifted you. God restored you. God redeemed you. And somebody should help me preach because that's the kind of God we serve. We serve a God who gives you a second chance. I'm sorry. I got to apologize before I close. I forgot I was preaching at St. Paul Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, where the one and only Dr. Robert Charles Scott, who happens to be an Omega, but none of us are perfect, is the pastor and leader of the church. I'm sorry. I left you hanging from the beginning of the sermon. That's a Freddie Haynes move. Dr. Frederick Haynes, uh, Douglas Haynes is a master at what I call teleological suspension, which is where he gives you a piece of the story, then leaves you in suspension. For the whole sermon waiting on the end. I left y'all hanging at the start of the sermon about old Doug Williams, didn't I? And how he ruined the game for his team. He went back, let me finish, to the locker room not knowing what was going to happen. But he did not expect uh, that what happened would happen. 
that his coach turned to him and said, Doug, these are the first three plays that we gonna run in the second half. Hold up, slam the brakes, wait a minute, put the phone on hold. Hall of Fame coach Eddie Robinson didn't even bring up what had happened in the first half. Instead, he put him back in the game. And then he went even further. He called an NFL scout who was in the stands. And in 1988, true fact, Doug Williams became the first African-American quarterback in the NFL to ever win a Super Bowl. Don't miss the shout. He changed history because his coach gave him another chance. That's all I've been trying to get you to see today. The only reason your history has been changed, your future has been fixed, your past has been redeemed, it's because God gave you another chance. Is there anybody listening who is glad God gave you another chance? There ought to be some hearts streaming on Facebook. There ought to be hands lifted on YouTube. There ought to be praises ringing in your living room, your den, your apartment, and your kitchen. Because I don't know how you feel about it but I'm glad that God gave me another chance God is the God of another chance am I right Moses yes I had a temper problem but he gave me another chance am I right Noah yes I had a drinking problem but he gave me another chance am I right David yes I had a philanderer problem but he gave me another chance am I right Peter Yes, I had a denial issue, but he gave me another chance. And I'm so glad that God will give you another chance. Your rebellion is not stronger than his grace. Your sin is not mightier than his salvation. Your mess cannot outrun his miracle. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, is there anybody streaming who don't mind throwing up your hands as a sign and a symbol that God gave you another chance? Come on, lift those hands and say to yourself, these hands belong to somebody that God gave another chance. This voice belongs to somebody that God gave another chance. This heart belongs to somebody that God gave another chance. This mind belongs to somebody that God gave another chance. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ain't he alright? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm happy because God gave me another chance. I'm still alive because he gave me another chance. Didn't he do it? As I close, somebody shout, hallelujah. God gave me another chance. Come on, I don't know where you are right now on Facebook, on YouTube, on Zoom, on our church website.
But can you just give God praise for that powerful, prophetic, pastoral, prolific word? Come on, we could do a whole lot better than that. Let's give God praise for the word and for the preacher. My God, thank you, my brother, my friend, Dr. Lance Watson. Uh, that was an on-time word. That was a rhema word for such a time as this. And here's what I want to extend to those that are watching us right now. Um, that you have the opportunity, another chance uh, to get right with God, to get right with God. We have heard the gospel preach um, in such a powerful way. And I want to take this opportunity right now to extend to anyone that is watching us to let you know that we are receiving people to join us virtually, even in this space. And this is how you can do it. I want to lead you in a short prayer, a prayer of new life, a prayer of a brand new start, a prayer of forgiveness, a prayer that will uh, bring you into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And, and, and if you mean this prayer in your head and your heart, you mean this prayer in your mind and your spirit, um, I want to let you know what the next steps will be. So if Wherever you are right now, if you wouldn't mind just bowing your head and repeating this prayer after me. And for those of us who have a relationship with God through Christ, it's a reminder of, of, of where we have been and where we are. But for you, if this is the first time that you're praying this prayer and you mean it and you want that relationship, we're going to let you know what you can do next. So bow your head and if you would repeat after me, God, I thank you. For the opportunity to have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. I come to you in need of forgiveness. And I ask for that forgiveness right now. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead on the third day. And I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life. I want to live for you. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer in your head, in your heart, your mind, your spirit, salvation is yours. Is it really that easy? Yeah, because you're not saved by your works. You're not saved by coming to church. You're not saved by giving money. You're not saved by reading your Bible. You are saved by the grace of God because of your faith. It's really that easy. It's the discipleship part that becomes hard. And so guess what? God does not want you to just stay at the entryway. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. How does that happen? How can we become what God would have for us to be? Well, it's real easy. If you will, follow these instructions. If you're on YouTube or if you're on our, uh, uh, if you're on YouTube or Facebook or our website, do me this favor. Just type in salvation in the chat box. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're watching us on YouTube or you're listening to us on the phone, you can do this. You can email us at connect 
at spbcnc.org or call us at the church at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number and someone by five o'clock tomorrow will reach out to you and let you know what next steps are. There may be someone watching us saying, listen, Pastor, I'm already saved. I know who Jesus Christ is and the pardon of my sin. But I would love to connect with St. Paul Baptist Church in Charlotte. Well, guess what you can do? You can uh, unite with us through Christian experience. And so if you're watching us on Facebook or on our website, instead of typing salvation, type in connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T. Type in connect in the chat box when our digital ministers will reach out to you, let you know what the next steps are. Or if you're listening to us on YouTube or on the phone, if you would, email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call us at 704-334-5309. Let us know your name, a good contact number to reach you and by 5 o'clock tomorrow, someone will reach out to you to let you know what the next steps are. My God, we have had church today. I want to thank our male ensemble for blessing us with their gift of song. I want to thank our media ministry for doing a wonderful job. Our finance team, as well as those who are making sure that our church is taken care of. Thank you all so very much. Thanks to the ministers who have given lift in this service. And we want to thank, again, the Reverend Dr. Lance D. Watson, the pastor of the St. Paul's Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia. Can we celebrate and give God? I see you all on Zoom really appreciating this gift that we've had this morning. Well, listen, we've had a wonderful time. Go in the word, the grace of God. Thank God for the second chance, the third chance. And, 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 and if you like me, the billionth chance. Amen. 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 We're getting ready to get out of here. Um, we pray that you will have a strong, blessed week as far as the Lord is concerned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for what our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and our spirits have experienced in this moment. Thank you for every, every aspect. Pour back into your preacher, oh God, all that he has poured out to us. Restore him and refresh him anew. Give him traveling grace as he prepares to go back to Richmond, Virginia. And we pray that things will be found the way that he left. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy. Tell the wise God, be glory and dominion, majesty and power both now and forevermore. Amen. Listen, have a strong, blessed week in the Lord. I love you. I miss you. But God loves you even more. Be safe. Continue to wash your hands. Continue to wear your mask. Continue to practice physical social distancing. God bless you all.